Introducing the new way to play Daily Fantasy with Jack Market. Jack Market is where Daily Fantasy Sports becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players with other users in real time. Make money every hour, every minute, every second of every game. Daily contests are live for the NBA, PGA, and the NFL. Take control of your fantasy sports experience and download Jack Market now in the App Store. Android coming soon. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Wednesday, September 23rd. We have turned our calendar over to week three, and a week three Wednesday can only mean one thing. It is time to talk rankings for the week ahead. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, how we feeling headed into week three? <laughs> Just focusing on week happy three. To get, <laughs> happy to get week two <laughs> out of the way and behind us, and we don't look back on that one. Can we like call yeah. for just maybe one or two injuries, and that's it? That would be great. <laughs> I would I would take, if you told me right now that you could guarantee a max of two injuries this week, I would absolutely sign up for that. Of course, we can't do that, but we're going to hope for the best here after what was a brutal week two, and we move into our week three rankings. Let's just jump right in, guys, at the quarterback position. As I was going through uh, the process for building this show and looking at Jake's rankings, I noticed that your top eight, Jake, and the consensus top eight are perfectly in line with one another in order for week three. We've got Lamar, Kyler, uh, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Cam Newton, and Matt Ryan. As we look at the quarterback position as a whole and these eight guys, are we thinking, Jake, that these are the only guys who you must start every week if you have them? Uh, I don't know if I would go. Well, you want to include all eight as a must start every single week? I'm saying all eight. I, I don't. I'm saying all eight. You've got them. Nah. You start them. Uh, I want to go start out of that group. I would say Cam Newton. It is not a definite must start. It's two rushing touchdowns in both games so far. It's not being his. It's not his arm. And you know, I was one of the biggest proponents of Cam Newton. But like, what is this season high? Ten rushing touchdowns. Do you really think he's going to keep rushing for a touchdown every single game? And I'm not ready to anoint Josh Allen. I just started off Monday show by saying he's been better than I look. But again, the Jets, the Dolphins. If he, you know, this is going to be a True test, in my opinion, because, yes, it's at home, but the Rams' defense is better than people thought it would be this year. It's solid. It's not terrific. It's not top five. But, you know, Josh Allen has to show me that he can do it week in and week out. Cam Newton has to do a little bit more with his arm. So I would say those two, I'm not comfortable calling them. I would say still the six. I still have been going with the six, and I'll still say the six. The Cam Newton and Josh Allen deserve to be in the next group. Like Minshew, yes, people need to stop with <laughs> just start friggin' Minshew, dudes. Um, you know Rogers, I, yeah. Well, Stafford when Galladay's back, I think they still deserve to be in that conversation. Okay, I mean we're not. You don't have uh, Deshaun Watson here, and I have him ranked twelfth this week. It's probably as low as I could possibly go. I'm on the thirteenth. Yeah, it's still a QB one. He's going against Pittsburgh, and I was just looking at ESPN's. Uh, they have their team run stop win rate. And their team pass rush win rate, and Pittsburgh is second in pass pass rush win rate and number one in run stop win rate, and that's so that it's about as tough a defense as you can call up. And I'm having ranked twelve, so I would say Deshaun Watson. As you, I think you when you said the six, Jake, you you were including Deshaun Watson in that as well. No, you're including no. Matt Ryan. Yeah, 
Matt Ryan. You're including Matt Ryan. Okay, so you, so you, you actually. I mean, I, I, I would if I own Deshaun Watson, I'm, I'm starting him every week. Uh, I mean, you have a twelve. You might not be. There's eleven guys in front of him. You might own one of them. So you're not. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, exactly. Yeah, you know, you know what's funny is I don't always back up my quarterback this this year because of just the whole pandemic and stuff. Could, I was, yeah. you know, I played insurance a little extra, but uh, you know, there will be there would be years where I would have just drafted Deshaun Watson. Well, I think that's yeah, I agree with you there. Most years, if I had Deshaun Watson, actually every year before this, if I drafted Deshaun Watson, I was done. <laughs> I wasn't drafting right. a backup yeah. quarterback, but yeah, if I have Minshew and listen to myself, I'm starting Minshew over Watson this week. It's a brutal start to the season for Deshaun Watson and the Texans, right? Uh, they low. Get the Chiefs week one, the Ravens week two, now the Steelers week three. And I like that you said by low because we're going to get to a little twist on that a little bit later in this show. But that's the top of the quarterback position. Now I want to ask you guys about three quarterbacks who have started the year maybe a little bit slower than people expected. The first is Drew Brees. Right now he is the QB 22 by points per game, of course. He has played half of his season to this point without his number one receiver, Michael Thomas. He is QB 17 in your rankings, Jake, this week. Going to go to you, though, first. Brandon, what's your concern level on Drew Brees for the rest of the season? <laughs> I'm just looking at my rankings. I have, I have Brees at 17 this week as well. Uh, my me. concern is that he looks old, and that his, you know, you look at his air yards per target right now, it's below five. It's the, it's the very bottom of the league, and without Michael Thomas, it's exacerbated you know but uh drew Brees has a very narrow range that he throws the ball now and luckily he's got great when michael thomas is out there and Kamara's out there it's you know those are playmakers that can can do you know do a lot in that short and intermediate range but um i think you know he's in his 40s now it's showing and i think defenses really know that you know they don't have to worry so much about over the top and this Saints team is is increasingly run heavy. So um, yeah, he's just not he's just not a slam dunk guy anymore. I you know I I wouldn't rank him as a top twelve quarterback the rest of the way. I think he's he's now just a, a backup guy. Yeah, well, it's really comes excuse me. It comes down to for me. I was on Drew Brees this year, and I'm still on Drew Brees. It just comes down to there's no Michael Thomas, and that's what I'm telling people in the waiver column and the rankings. People are asking the most common—this is surprising. Well, I guess not because it's on my columns. I'm not saying that it's like a victory lap again, but because of the Minshew stuff, I'm getting a ton—I'm not exaggerating—a ton of drop Drew Brees for Minshew. And my answer—and I say that because here's my answer is— Go get Minshew, but don't drop Drew Brees. I still think Drew Brees mm -hmm. is a QB1 when Michael Thomas is back. Until then, I completely agree with Brandon. Uh, last year, in the games that Drew Brees was healthy, he averaged 20 points per game. 20. He had one or two, I think, maybe at most, that didn't hit 20, and he had a 30-point game. So mm -hmm. I still think Drew Brees is fine. It's just Michael. you can't take Michael Thomas away from Brandon, you're right. And because who Drew Brees is now at this point in his career, you can't take Michael Thomas away from him. Like like 10 yeah. years ago, you could have, but now you can't. And so that's why I don't want to outright drop him. That number you mentioned too, Jake, the 20 points per game, that includes the game where he got hurt, right? Where he played like the first yeah. quarter and that was If you it. take Maybe that like one out, first, I think I it's up it to like, like 23. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Drew Brees still got it. We'll see what happens when Michael Thomas comes back. We're hoping that is soon. They put a two to four week timetable on it, so this week would be the very uh, beginning of NFL that timetable. We will keep an eye on. I was gonna say I found a way to screw up my Drew Brees take too. Like it's not even him. It's the fact that Michael Thomas got hurt and it screwed up my <laughs> Drew Brees. Like leave my guys alone. 
<laughs> uh, we'll hope for better for you uh, in the in the middle weeks. Go read my guy's column and just co- t- sell all of them now. Just get rid of all of them. Uh, it sounds like we should maybe get them now because the things have to turn around for him. No, not necessarily. They're just going to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, what about Carson Wentz? He has not been hurt this season. He's had a lot of his linemen in front of him get hurt this year, and he, too, is off to a slow start. Quarterback 23 by points per game. Jake, you've got him QB 15 this week. Eagles taking on the Cincinnati Bengals at home. Same question as we had for Drew Brees. What's your concern level on Wentz for the rest of the season? It's enormous after this week. Uh, He's my (laughs) sleeper quarterback for this week. He's still top of the league in air yards per target. He still has two of the top 10 wide receivers in Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager in air yards per target. Uh, Dallas Goddard can actually is somebody. Brandon knows all this because he read my column. Dallas Goddard, I love it, tight end this week. It's a terrific matchup. Look at what the Bengals just helped Baker Mayfield do and bounce back. But after this... It's if you if you need to drop Wentz for Minshew now, go ahead and do it because after this week he's at uh, at San Francisco, at Pittsburgh, or at Pittsburgh, at San Francisco, and Baltimore. So those are the next three matchups. And I know San Francisco is banged up right now, but I don't see how you start Wentz after these this game with how poor he's looked in the first two weeks. So you know, this is the unfortunate thing of the NFC East. They have a brutal schedule, all of them this year. If you're looking at matchups, so. Uh, Wentz, you get one week if you still have him and you need to use him. Hopefully he plays well because, God, if he doesn't play well against the Bengals, eh, forget about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you do have a division where you get the Giants twice and the Cowboys twice still. So he's got a couple decent uh, matchups on the, uh, you know, on the horizon. But I actually have him 11th this week. I like him as well. Um, and just watching him, he still looks like, you know, the, the talented quarterback that's been very uh, successful in fantasy in the past few years. Um, you mentioned the injury. I think, you know, their, their wide receiver core is getting healthier. Uh, Miles Sanders is back. I, this should be a great week, uh, but I think what the point here is that he looks pretty matchup dependent right now, and that's mm-hmm. you know not just because of him, but because of the the guys up front around him. So, yeah, you look at it, you know, we we were worried about him with that Washington offensive line that proved out, and uh, yeah, it's you know it's been rocky, but they played a couple of really good defensive line teams that have good defensive lines, and that might just be the decider there. It looks like you know Philly can can protect him then he's all good he has made a, a couple of uh, head scratching throws this year too just hasn't been a good start to, to the season for this philadelphia offense miles sanders good game in week two his season debut notwithstanding one more quarterback exact same question i think we're probably the least concerned about tom brady of this trio he is qb 21 by points per game qb 14 for you jake this week brandon kick it off for us concern level for tom brady rest of the season he will have both mike evans and chris godwin at 100 percent health this week that could be the first time that's happened this season depending on how we feel about mike evans health back in week one yeah i mean he it's it's you know i'm not concerned about him so much because bruce arians arians is basically going to push his push his desires which is you know we want to throw the ball to our receivers throw it downfield um, you know, he kind of came out and said, we need to get Mike Evans involved. And, and we've talked about this and, and threw Brady a little bit under the bus. You know, he came out and said, yeah, we're not throwing to Rob Gronkowski because my offense doesn't throw to tight ends 50 times a game. It's like he likes to he likes to be vertical. Um, and, and he had a good matchup last week against Carolina, but they had a big lead. So, you know, it was it was Leonard Fournette time. And, you know, going forward, if they're if they're in a competitive game or if they're trailing, 
I have no doubt Tom Brady is going to be able to put up the fantasy numbers because Bruce Arians is pretty much going to demand, let's get it downfield. And uh, this is also, you know, and Jake's mentioned this, uh, this should be a game where Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are as, you know, as, as green lit and as good to go as they're going to be. So you feel good about them this week. You know, it's not a, it's not the, the best matchup, uh, but it's not a terrible matchup. So I think you just feel back end QB one range, top 15 range for Tom Brady going forward. I think that's fair. Yeah. And uh, Brandon knows this cause he texted me as I, I kept, <laughs> I was saying in the column and I did this in the waivers too. It's like one of those things where your brain is thinking something and you just kind of type something different. As I was basically trying to say, this is the first game where Tom Brady gets Mike Evans and Chris Godwin for the entire game. We hope. Right. And in my mind, you know, that's how it was coming out. But I kept typing this the first time it gets both of them. And, you know, Mike Evans came out early in the first week. So I'm excited to see what Tom Brady can do for an entire game with both of them. But I have to tell you, like, I'm not sure that the volume of touchdowns that I was hoping for for this year, because we can go back to some of the preseason shows. And I even said he can be Jameis Winston with fewer passing yards, but he could still throw for 30, 35 touchdowns. That's exactly what I said. That might not be happening at this point. And if he can't do it this week, if he doesn't throw for at least two, if not three touchdowns this week, then I, I would say my concern level will go from, hey, as I will say in the waiver column, Brandon will probably laugh at this. It'll probably go from a two to a four ducks. <laughs> <laughs> love those ducks. I love seeing those guys sitting there. Unless, of course, they're sitting next to someone who I am heavily invested in. And then I want those. I want to you know, start playing duck hunt again. But uh, Tom Brady at the Broncos this week. And as you said, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin enter this game as healthy as they've been as a duo all season. So that will be very good to see Brady and what he can do with those two big-time receivers at his disposal. Uh, let's wrap things up at quarterback. One regular starter that you're considering sitting this week. Uh, Jake, why don't you take this one first? Oh, we touched on both of them. Uh, I, I say both because I'm going to kind of, I, I feel like whatever I say, Brandon's going to take the other. So I'll take both and let Brandon expound if he wants to. But <laughs> it's Drew Brees and Deshaun Watson. Like, I think those are the two obvious ones that stand out, don't they, Brandon? Yeah. I mean, I had Drew Brees. I would, I would probably, you know, I have Tom Brady outside the top 12 this week as well. I have, like I said, I have Deshaun Watson 12. If I had Brady and Watson, I'd probably start Watson. Um, uh, I was going to throw out – I thought you were going to go Brady and Breeze. Uh, I was going to just throw out Jerry Goff as another one that if if you're starting him, I would I would be leery about him this week as well. So yeah, there you go. Big games, big game in that early slate on Sunday. Rams at Bills, a couple of 2-0 and o teams getting together. We will see how that one goes. I'm very excited for that game. One fringe or off-the-radar quarterback you are considering starting – this, I forget about considering that you would start this week, Brandon and Jake. Before you even say it, we know Gardner Minshew's in your top 10. <laughs> he has a great matchup against the Dolphins. Gardner Minshew does not count in this category, so you can't say Damn Minshew. It. Brandon, who you got? Uh, uh, then I'll take Tannehill, who's been you know as efficient and hasn't slowed down. We all said regression to the mean. He's going to come back, and he, here he is with six touchdowns and zero interceptions in the first two weeks, and he gets a Minnesota defense that has not figured it out yet. Oof, so yes, I guess – if you've drafted Tannehill, uh, no reason not to roll him out here this week. I'm good with that. Uh, so Beowulf, does that count? Because it's not it's a different name. <laughs> so, uh, I'll go super deep for people if they're desperate, if in their deeper leagues. And I will say Jeff Driscoll. Uh, look, the Buccaneers Ooh, defense is like super it. scary so far. But the one thing about Driscoll and what will help, similar to what we just saw with the Washington team and Kyler Murray, is if you can pressure the quarterback and he likes to run – there's your fantasy points right there. I'm not saying I want to start him, but if you're desperate, you know, we assume Tom Brady's going to put up points in this game. 
uh, Driscoll could get you the. It could be like the Tyrod Taylor, uh, like line of ten years. Well, not ten, six years ago, whatever it was, where it's like fifty mm-hmm. rushing yards and you know two twenty and a touchdown. So it ends up being like QB eighteen. What about uh, would you start him over a Trubisky? Because Trubisky was I, was another one that's I have him in the upper half uh, of the of the rankings this week. No, how do you guys feel because about that? <laughs> well, <laughs> I also, well for floor it's just going to sound kind of crazy if you're talking about, but for floor I'll take Driscoll if you're talking about Seal. Trubisky has two outcomes: top ten, yeah, right, or QB twenty five. There's no in between. <laughs> like yeah. I have him in like I think I don't know off the top of my head somewhere around QB eighteen or nineteen or somewhere right around there, and that's going to be wrong. It's going to be too right. high or too low. But you're hedging so that you can be close to one or the other. It's just because, like, look, if you own Trubisky, like, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. And I know we're not talking about it yet, but just to jump to wide receiver, I don't even know if you have him in the list because I haven't had a chance to answer answering so many questions this morning. You don't have him in the list. So there you go. For Allen Robinson, somebody's like, why do you keep ranking Allen Robinson so high? Uh, he's got, like, 25% target share and 13 air yards per target. That's why, because it's going to rectify at some point. And those are the guys you kind of target. But all that being said, it's because it comes down to Trubisky. It, like... Trubisky is you hitch your wagon with him, you know what's going to happen. Like Nick Foles would be more consistent, but this is what happens. Like, so are you really benching on Robinson? No. Are you going with Trubisky? If you want to go that route, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. It's absolutely true. With yep. Mitch through two games, it's been just a roller coaster. It's been a roller coaster within both of the games, let alone just keep, across the two <laughs> here games. Here you go, Mike. <laughs> you know this because it's your team out there. Just keep starting him in DFS until he throws for four touchdowns and then win yourself a million dollars. There you go. It's coming one of these days. Maybe it'll. this is a great week for it against the Atlanta Falcons. Let's move over to the running back position here now, guys. I've got a, a question here. Are we auto-starting all the new guys? So that includes you know, Devontae Freeman if he plays. We'll obviously see how that situation plays out over this week. Deion Lewis there in New York. Mike Davis in Carolina. Jarek McKinnon in San Francisco. Jake, I know where you have him in the rankings. Uh, Mike Davis at RB15, Jarek McKinnon at RB23. So obviously sounds like you were starting both of those guys if you picked them up. Picked them up. But what are your expectations for this new crop of starting running backs? Yeah, um, obviously most confident Mike Davis. Unfortunately, just like Jarek McKinnon, both these guys have a limited shelf life uh, whenever Christian McCaffrey comes back. Because even if Christian McCaffrey tries to come back too early and looks like Barkley last year and not great for the first couple games, it's still going to be Barkley's back or Barkley's back McCaffrey's backfield. So, you know, Mike Davis might be three games, might be four, five, six, but it could be as little as three. Same thing with the McKinnon situation. You know, McKinnon could look great, but McKinnon's also not good. His is even worse because even if Mostert was out for the same amount of time, when he comes back, he's going to be the guy too because McKinnon's never going to be a bell cow. It's kind of like the Austin Eckler, but even less so. And I think the 49ers also realize that with his injuries uh, I mean, throughout his entire career, he's not going to start getting 20 touches per game. So I think Jeff Wilson is a super deep sleeper that I think is way ahead of the rankings right now. And consen- yeah, he's 27 spots over consensus. I have an RB41 right now because you know he's going to get the goal line carries. And that's the thing is, you know, what if it's Nick Mullins this week? Do you still feel that great about Jarek McKinnon? Probably not, especially with how much Garoppolo is throwing to the running back. So I think you have to start both of them. And I don't think Devontae Freeman's playing or even relevant because he, not only does he have to do all this, mm. but it's already Wednesday. He has to pass COVID tests. Apparently he has to pass two, I think, before he can even play. So mm. I don't know that he'll even be involved. I think Lewis is good for this week only. Yeah, I would just I would double down on that Jeff Wilson being the super sneaky sleeper that no one's talking about. He's probably 
somewhere in the 10 to 15 touch range this week. I would not be surprised by that at oh, all. I mean, four fifteen, Brandon, you know, this is kind of like Jeff Wilson, two touchdowns on 10 yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. It yep, definitely exactly. has that feeling already as we uh, kick off this week three. Let's move on to uh, the Rams situation. It seems like we have to talk about this one. Every single week, of course, Malcolm Brown had the big game in week one. He actually had surgery on Tuesday for a fractured pinky. Not supposed to cost him any time, but it's something that happened to him this week. Daryl Henderson had the big week two, 81 yards and a touchdown on 12 carries. Also caught two passes, 440 yards. Um, Is he part of that group? Jake, I know you've got him down at RB27. Does sound like Cam Akers is going to be unable to play this week. So it's Henderson and Brown against that Bills defense. Where are we feeling on Henderson heading into week three? Jake, take this one. Uh, he would actually be even higher if, if Cam Akers is officially out. I do have Akers in the rankings right now, and Brandon also knows this as he's actually Henderson's my lottery ticket for this week because not only look, this comes down to two things or talent. It's funny. I was texting with Emery last night, who is also a huge Daryl Henderson fan, as we all know. Oh, yeah, we know that. And I was telling him that I threw some metrics at everybody because people are metrics, and we were joking back and forth that you can't say that. Henderson has a nose for the end zone or knows how to break big plays because it's people who don't understand watch film, and I'm not I'm not this is going to sound so rude, but I'm not trying to be like rude, (laughs) but like people can't quantify that if they don't watch Mm -hmm. film and know how to evaluate running backs. And I'm not saying everybody does. That's why not everybody does it. So when you say he has a nose for the end zone, he knows how to hit a home run play. He knows how to make explosive plays. You can quantify it, which in this situation, if you look at the bills, top three and missed tackles and top three and breakaway plays allowed to running backs and yards after contact 3.0. This is a situation where a Henderson type can really do some damage. Yeah, I've kind of already assumed that Cam Akers is out, so I have him right on that uh, top 20 borderline. Um, This Rams offensive line has been playing well, and Jake mentioned the issues that the Bills have had in tackling. And I, you know, and Malcolm Brown has the finger issue as well. So. What, we had 14 touches from from Henderson last week. I would expect that number to go up this week. And, uh, you know, is he going to put up 120 total yards and a touchdown again? I don't know, but he does have, you know, he does have that big play potential. And given all the, you know, the givens with the offensive line and, and the Bills issues, I would take my chances with that for sure. All right, guys, let's move on over to Tampa. Has the Leonard Fournette takeover already happened? He had a big game last week, 12 carries, 103 yards. And two touchdowns, of course, that 12th carry was the one that he broke right after the onside kick, which made the game look a little bit bigger than it had been through about 58 minutes of the game. Ronald Jones, just seven carries in the win over Carolina. Is this now Leonard Fournette's backfield, Brandon? I think it is. I didn't expect it to happen so quickly. I thought Ronald Jones looked like a guy who was playing for his job and looked really good in week one, and I thought it was going to take some time. And then last week happened for Leonard Fournette, and you know we've said this before. Uh, Ronald Jones was inherited by Bruce Arians, and Leonard Fournette is the guy that Bruce Arians went out and got, and uh, you know, and, and he brought in LaShawn McCoy, and he drafted Keyshawn Vaughn. There's nothing that's really been done by Bruce Arians that lets me feel like he loves Ronald Jones, and whether he says, you know, whatever he says or not, all his actions kind of point to, you know what. I'm going to keep playing around with this backfield until I find a guy I really like, and I think he's got it in Leonard Fournette. I don't know how you go back to a whole lot of Ronald Jones at this point. I think he's still going to be in the mix, but I think Leonard Fournette's the uh, driving this train right now. 100%, and I'll let Arians burn me on this one because, to your point, Brandon, mm-hmm. what, did, what did Arians tell us? He told us by his move in that game he was waiting 
for the chance to get rid of Ronald Jones. Like, I don't care what he said leading up to the season and all the way through week one. As soon as he had that fumble, which really kind of looked like it was both on Brady and Ronald Jones, yet they blamed yeah. Ronald Jones 100%. Yeah. And then after that, five touches for Ronald Jones, 14 for Leonard Fournette. He, like, it's just... It's like it's kind of like if you want to just like break up with somebody, but you, you're just looking for a reason, and like they just do something <laughs> right. s- simple, stupid. But you're like, oh, this is it. innocuous yeah. little thing. Yeah, yeah. This, is, <laughs> this is my chance. Oh, she she burnt my food. I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> oh man, well that's a good point you make about the total touches with Leonard Fournette. He had five targets in that game, caught four of them for just 13 yards. But an important thing to factor in to your Tampa Bay backfield and really just Leonard Fournette as a whole against the rest of the running back class. Going forward, we are all in agreement here. This now looks like it is Leonard Fournette's backfield. So anyone who got him at a discount when he was in that in-between stage in the summer, got to be feeling pretty good about yourself. And James Robinson drafters or James Robinson fab bidders have to be feeling pretty good about themselves too because this guy has looked the part of a real starting running back through two games last week. 16 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Also had four targets, caught three of them for 18 yards. He now has 16 carries in both of Jacksonville's games. Jaguars are on Thursday night football this week, taking on the Dolphins. Are we locking James Robinson into RB2 expectations week in and week out, Brandon? I think, you know, the key here is that he's 15th in touches among running backs. He's in the upper half of the league. I mean, that's that's 18 touches per game. That's job one in fantasy is volume, and he's got it. Uh, you look at the advanced metric, yards after contact, things like that. He's he's faring well. Uh, you like to match up this week with Miami. I it just It's going to be hard, uh, given his workload, given how well he's looked so far, to keep him out of your lineup until he really – you know, until he basically forces the issue by having a couple bad games in a row or something like that. But right now, you just have to kind of lock him in as an RB2. Yeah, there's really not much else to add. I would compare it to, I think I've mentioned it before, uh, not talent-wise specifically because I think he's better in the passing game, but Jordan Howard back when he's been Jordan Howard on, like, the Eagles and Jordan Howard when he was being used, you know, 18, 20 times per game is – it was a mid-level RB2, you know, never super exciting, but better than a lot of options out there. I know James Robinson, this offense doesn't like really peak people's excitement level, but it's you could do much worse at this point of the season already. Yeah, it's definitely true. And those 16 carries in both of this team's games uh, is huge. And the fact that the Jaguars have been a little bit more competitive, I think, than a lot of people thought they were going to be. Of course, the upset victory over the Colts in Week 1. They nearly pull another upset against the Titans in Week 2. They've put up big points in both of those games. So, got to be feeling good about James Robinson going forward. Again, Thursday Night Football against the Dolphins. We absolutely love that matchup. So, James Robinson looking like a solid RB2 this week and for weeks to come. Let's move on to the mess in Baltimore, as I've written here. Jake, you've got Mark Ingram at running back 25, J.K. Dobbins at running back 31. I think there's actually a cop driving outside here in Chicago on his way to Baltimore (laughs) to arrest Greg Roman and John Harbaugh (laughs) for the way that they have turned this into a huge headache for fantasy owners. Do we see this ending anytime soon, Jake? No. And like, if you look at that game, though, it was Ingram until basically the like third quarter when Dobbins got involved, and then Gus Edwards was essentially the fourth oh. quarter. And yes. that was like last year. So one thing you have to look at and say is, okay, that kind of tells us that Gus Edwards significantly, like, or not significantly, definitively the number three running back because he was the garbage time running back. So that makes you feel better 
about Dobbins and Ingram, but it's still Ingram as the lead. I think week by week, it's whether or not Dobbins gets involved. It's just going to be, I don't even say game script, but game plan, because we expect the Ravens to be leading most games. And if you look at weeks one and two, he's like, all right, do we use Dobbins because he has some more passing game value in this specific matchup? Or do we lean on more Mark Ingram more early like they did last week? And that's what we're looking at. So it's not even like, oh, they're facing the Chiefs. It should be a shootout. I just, you know, you could say maybe you get some more volume with the Dobbins this week, but I'm not going to pretend to know what they're going to do. They were they were truthful and lied at the same time. They said that everybody was going to have a role. It's just there was going to be no way to predict what the roles are going to be. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything to add to that. I've still got Ingram because of the touch volume. Uh you know, going to rank him ahead of Dobbins until that significantly changed. I think In- Ingram has twice as many touches as Dobbins, but it's annoying that Gus Edwards can come in and get mm-hmm. 10 carries in the second half or whatever. He ended up with 10 carries. So I don't know how many of them were in the second half, but probably most of them. Um, yeah, I think, you know, now it's like I- I'm looking at Ingram as a maybe flex play. And but I have Ingram and Dobbins in a lot of teams and I just am like, Ugh. I almost just kind of just want to let the let this thing settle in a little bit for a couple of weeks because I think we'll get a better grasp of what they're doing and you know after a couple more games go by. But right now it's a complete crapshoot. It feels like and it's like if I had to if I had to press one into action this week, I feel like it would be Ingram. But eh, you know I, I have I have very low <laughs> expectations at this point. Says it all right there, and ugh, always says it all. Um, there's one more guy I want to get to. We're we're running a little long here, so let's try to get through this one quickly. Got to ask about Antonio Gibson, right? Week one, pretty much expectations, right, for a week one running back and a guy who had 33 carries in his entire NFL career. Week two, got a little bit more love in the Washington offense, 13 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Jake, you've got him at running back 28. Is this something where we see his role slowly progressing and getting larger and eventually he's going to be in control of this backfield, or does that never happen for him this season? I don't think it ever happens. And I think it's just partly because of who Gibson is and partly because the team probably knows who Gibson is. And that's, I think he peeks out at old Austin Eckler, where Austin Eckler was the 14 to 15 touches at best. And I think that's when you're going to get the best at a Gibson. Like, let's be real about Gibson. There's another one I was texting with Emery. He sent me, so somebody tweeted, he's like, look at this run and all these, like this movement by Gibson. And it was the one run where he broke like three tackles. But the first one, the change of direction, he slows down and takes three steps to change direction. That's not good change of direction. That's actually a very slow change of direction. It just happened to work out, and then he was off balance after that. It looks like a good run, but when you really break it down, it, it, like something's broke right for him with the defense. Gibson's talented, but let's not put Gibson into the upper at like stratosphere of top 15 running back like he needs a compliment and we say all this to say that when Bryce Love is back to 100% I think he gets some touches I don't think he's going to overtake Gibson necessarily but I think he's going to be involved somebody's going to be involved because that's how you're going to get the best out of Gibson which they're doing a good job of doing so far yeah it's probably I mean I think JJ McKissick is a you know he's Annoying. a shooting JD star. McKissick yeah, he. I think he. He's oh, going yeah, he, to fade he out of this equation <laughs> within a few weeks. He always does, um, and it'll probably be Bryce Love that's the one who makes it fade out. But this feels like it's going to be. I agree with Jake. I I, I don't know that Antonio Gibson is going to be counted on for much more than mid-teens touches yeah. once he's at his full, once he's at his full job, whatever that ends up being. But it's probably right around that uh, number. So which which will be fine. Which mm-hmm. will be flex worthy to back in RB two and bye weeks. So it'll be fine. 
All right, let's close the book on the running back position for week three. Brandon, you take this one first. A regular starter that you would consider benching this week. Uh, this week and most weeks, maybe going forward, if I could, is Todd Gurley. I just, man, uh, I you know, I was leery about him and the arthritic knee, but uh, he just doesn't doesn't look good not being used in the passing game, which is a huge problem in Atlanta huge. because <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, where they find themselves lots of weeks. So I just. You know, he. This may be more competitive. I just don't love the upside for Todd Gurley for any week going forward. And and the Bears have a good defense, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of just out on Gurley this week. All right. So now it's one of the two I was going to go for. So you took one of the two. Like I'll take the other. And now, are you guys ready? This is uh, this is Jerk Jake. Jerk Jake is coming out right now. Yes, uh, I love Jerk Jake. I understand it's hard to get context when you say avoid David Johnson if you can this week, but he's a good buy low. You can have both. They're not mutually exclusive. He's a good buy low because he's getting 90% of the snaps in the backfield and touches. Even if Duke Johnson comes back, even when Duke Johnson was out there, he was still getting all the work. You cannot like a situation and you cannot like a player heading into a season because he was being drafted too high and not like his matchup this week and still think he's a buy low. I know it's hard to grasp. <laughs> I, I actually had him as my other guy, Jake, so I, I'm with you on David Look Johnson. You guys. As well. Yeah. Totally reading Coop. out of the same book here. Kumbaya moment. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see if we can get a little bit of a differentiation on this last running back question. An off-the-radar RB who you would start comfortably this week. Jake, who you got? Uh, well, so we mentioned him already. Daryl Henderson. He's my lottery ticket this there week. Uh, I think that he's a great one. Although, it's funny that you said that, Brandon, because I think Gurley's worth sitting, but I do think in this matchup specifically, it's hard to sit him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um yeah, the match it's not it's not as much as match, it's just more of an indictment of what I've seen out of right, Todd Gurley exactly. the first two weeks. Yeah. Uh I would throw I think Josh Kelly is a slam dunk RB two this week. Um and he could be a lot of weeks going forward. I think he's got you know, he's taken the Melvin Gordon role. This is Anthony Lynn is determined to be conservative, run heavy. Um you know, they're playing good defense. I just think there's fifteen to twenty carries for him most weeks, and this week against Carolina, I like that an awful lot. All right, we've got wide receivers to get to next, but first, we can't go to wide receivers without talking about Manscaped, guys. That's just how this works. It's how we do things. It's like, can we? Can you even, do wide receivers exist without Manscaped? I don't know. Manscaped is here to partner with us to make sure that we don't gamble on shaving the same way that we like to gamble on football. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and has an LED light on it. Get 20% off and free shipping when you go to manscaped.com slash the athletic. That's 20% off with free shipping when you go to manscaped.com slash the athletic. Talking about erectile dysfunction, it is not easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves or give some sort of lame excuse to get out of the conversation. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and totally discreet. Go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyFootball today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash FantasyFootball. GetRoman.com slash FantasyFootball. 
All right, guys, I lied. We are going to get to wide receivers really quickly. But the first thing that I want to do is ask you this. I am very tired of all the buy low and sell high discussions. We talk about it all the time. It's the easiest advice in the fantasy world to give. I want to flip that conversation on its head. Let's get through this quickly, but let's talk about it. People, If people are out there trying to sell a player who they think is playing above his skis or uh, buy a player who they expect to rebound, that means there are some trading opportunities in the market. So give me a player, take either side of this. It could be either one. We don't have enough time, I don't think, to get through both. But give me a player who you would either buy high saying, you know what, he is playing better than we expected, but he's going to stay at this level, or a player who you would sell low saying, you know what, people are going to be interested in this guy because they think he's going to bounce back, oh, but I think this is ugly. I'm getting away from him. Uh, Brandon, why don't you take it first? Either side, a guy who you would buy oh, high or a guy who you would sell low. <laughs> um, yeah, you put me on the spot. I'll, you know what? I'll throw out Deontay Johnson as a guy that is leading uh, the Steelers in targets, has looked good, and I, you know, I would buy, I would buy high on him. He, I, I went back and forth on him in the in the preseason. Um, he, he, you know, he rode the buzzy wave a little bit, but uh, yeah, I think I, w- I would, I would buy high on Deontay Johnson. I want to belabor my point here, but he's a guy that jumps out in my mind. Can I buy high on Minshew? Yes. I'm just kidding. Uh, like, I'll give you both. <laughs> yeah, You're going to trade for a quarterback? You, Jake, of all people, are going to trade for a quarterback? That's why, yeah, that's why I joked and said it. <laughs> I'll give you the buy high really quick but because I want to go into the sell low. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I would buy high on him uh, just because of running backs. And some of the trade offers people have been sending, it still doesn't seem like it's high enough. Uh, so I'll go to the sell low, and it's because you know I hate the guy. <laughs> But everybody wants to make excuses for him because all they remember are the good times. Will Fuller, get the hell off my team if you have him. (laughs) You shouldn't have drafted him in the first place as your wide receiver two or three. But people still want to only remember the 100 yards and a touchdown and the two touchdowns and touchdowns four games in a row. Go sell low while the people still want him. Good uh, schedule coming up, like we talked about with Deshaun Watson after this week against Pittsburgh. Uh, the schedule plus he, does soften exactly. up a little bit. And he's hurt. Watch. This is going to be the week that Will Fuller <laughs> is on your bench. And this is the worst part about yep. Will Fuller is he's going to go out and put up like 120 and two touchdowns, and you're not even going to get to enjoy it. And then he's going to go go dark against the soft competition, yes. right? I mean, that's just, that's just how things work in Will Fuller land. All right. I like it. I think we're going to keep on bringing that back because I like that discussion. The buy high and the uh, or the buy yes the buy high and the sell low. Even I'm, I'm well, getting some point, up in my when head. We get to the when we get to the middle of the year and we're talking sell low, it's probably you know, <laughs> it's probably going to be they are what they are do. what they are yeah. at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, all right, let's move on to the wide receiver position. Just want to note Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin. Both back this week. Yay! Kenny Galladay making his 2020 season debut. Chris Godwin back after missing week two because of a concussion. Let's go over to Dallas, though. CeeDee Lamb, Jake, you've got him at wide receiver 29. Michael Gallup at wide receiver 27. But has CeeDee Lamb, after what we've seen from him the first two weeks of his career, reached must-start status? What do you say, Jake? Uh, fringy. I wouldn't call him a complete must start yet. I actually think that I know you hate it, but while Michael Gallup is concerning, he's also good by low, similar to David Johnson, because I talked about this. Gallup is not playing the slot. Gallup, I mean, it's like 3% or 4%. Yeah, I don't know if you remember Brandon from editing me, uh, but he's not there. The Lamb and Cooper are getting that work, especially Lamb. He's not actually even getting targets. He's fifth. That's including Schultz, who was not even out there to start the season because of Jarwin. And Zeke are ahead of him. That's how far down he is on the list right now. But he's getting a ton of air yards potential. So similar to this is what you look for. Um, 
what's his face? Josh Hermsmeyer is like, this is something he's been doing for years is looking for areas that people haven't capitalized on yet. And that's where you find great opportunities to play wide receivers in DFS and also buy low opportunities. Gallup, I still want as a buy low. If it doesn't happen again this week, I'm going to be definitively concerned because what I said is my concern about Gallup is he's getting the number one corners because he's not playing the slot and he's getting stuck outside and Cooper and Lamb do move around. So one more week and then, yeah, I'll feel good about calling a Lamb a must start. But one more, I wouldn't say he's definitively needs to be in your lineup just yet. Oh, but what a week. At Seattle, you know, 450 <laughs> mm-hmm. yards in week one to Matt Ryan, almost 400 to Cam Newton. I was looking at Julian Edelman's average uh, A dot, his average depth of target is at 14 and a half. Like, that's double the amount of the last two years. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he, even he was getting deep against Seattle and making big chunk plays. I mean, this is this is a secondary and a defense is having issues right now stopping the passing game at all. So I've I've actually ranked all three of the Cowboy receivers in my top twenty four because I'm pretty sure two of the three are going to end up there, and mm-hmm. it could be Gallup this week because of uh, those issues and because he's you know he's been a potential big play guy and. If he if he doesn't get that egregious pass interference penalty called against him in week one, right. his numbers look a lot better. So um, so I think two of these three for sure are likely to pop. So uh, I don't know that we can say for sure that Michael Gallup is definitely the number three guy in this hierarchy. No, he's number five. <laughs> well, I'm just saying among I'm, I'm among this trio. We're talking receivers now. We are talking receivers now. In <laughs> Seattle, man, they are going to give us, I think fantasy bonanzas all season long with what they can't do defensively and with what they can do offensively that is going to give us plenty of fun fertile ground for fantasy football let's move on to jerry judy another rookie receiver here obviously uh now ascending the depth chart with Cortland sutton out for the rest of the season after tearing his acl gonna have to play without his starting quarterback drew lock for at least the next couple of weeks jake you've got him wide receiver 36 this week against tampa bay so right on that wide receiver 3-4 fringe, but I'm more interested in how you feel about him for the rest of the season now that he is the de facto wide receiver one for Denver. Mm, De facto, yeah, he's also a rookie. Uh, I think Hamler is going to be able to do some interesting things as the slot option. There is their whole reason they drafted him was to, you know, they didn't like what Deshaun Hamilton was doing. Tim Patrick is, you know, a depth piece that's been thrown into duty. But the fact to go back to Hamilton is this team just hates Hamilton at this point. If anything's going to happen for his career, he needs a new team because Tim Patrick was in front of Hamilton, despite Hamilton being very good out of the slot. And that's the Hamler job now. So I think Judy is definitively in the conversation. Uh, but, you know, Driscoll actually downgrades him as much as I was concerned for Locke this year. Driscoll is not the passer that Locke is. Not that that's saying a ton, but I think Judy is kind of uh, going to be falling in this range for most weeks because you're asking a rookie to also get the attention, and I'll compare it to another one, is Brian Edwards. Uh, part of the mm-hmm. concern I have for Brian Edwards is, you know, Ruggs moves into the slot, works out of the slot, Edwards plays outside. What does it mean when you play outside is there's not corners that always drop down to the slot, which means if you're a rookie playing outside, like Judy will probably do more now than he was doing before of playing some slot, is you're going to get number one corner attention. And it's tough for rookies to overcome that in their first season. Yeah, it's a, I mean, Jerry Judy, man, I, I'm just so impressed with him, like him a lot. I wish he was with, paired with a better quarterback, with a, like a more elite quarterback because it would be fun to watch. But I'm I'm 38 on him this week, and I, I agree with Jake. I, I 
actually added Hamler in like four leagues uh, this week because I'm I'm kind of excited to see him get some full run in the slot. You know, he's one of those just go go gadget guys, just uh, you know, just a water bug out there. So I, I mean, he could have some big play potential. And uh, thank you for excluding uh, anybody under the age of thirty for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I, like, I, I think it's a bad record because he's not like a MacGyver, but, uh, you know, so the, maybe the go-go gadget thing was, but he's just a guy that can fly and I'm excited to see him out there get some runs. So, um, yeah, but uh, Judy, I think he's going to be a French wide receiver three, probably most weeks. That's probably where he's going to land. Yeah. I would love to see what he's able to do as the, as I said, de facto wide receiver one, once Drew Locke does return. And that's no knock on Jeff Driscoll, but you know, bottom line, he's just not the starting quarterback. So would really like to see what Judy can do with at least half a season as the wide receiver one with Drew Locke. So fingers crossed that Drew Locke can be closer to the three-week side of the return timetable and not closer to that five-week side. All right, let's talk about Drake One Smith. Jake, uh, looking <laughs> like you were going to win that bet. I mean, I this dude was cruising in the first half on Monday night. Four catches for 80 yards, had just one catch for six yards in the second half. The more important thing, though, and you pointed this out already, I think it was on our Monday show, was that he was – seemingly in the Michael Thomas role for the Saints offense. It was not Emmanuel Sanders, even though the skill sets would seem to deem that Emmanuel Sanders would be the short and intermediate Michael Thomas guy and Traquan Smith would still be the deep down the field guy. To me, what that says is the Saints think that Traquan Smith is their better receiver, is their number two receiver, no matter where Michael Thomas is. So do we treat him as that going forward? I think we need to. Uh, the big thing is he's in that spot. Emmanuel Sanders is outside. He's displaced outside. Not that he hasn't run work outside, but he would be better in the slot, especially at this point of his career. But the big slot role went to Traquan Smith, and this is part of what I loved about his opportunity is upside, and this is why I was high on him for last week, and I'm high on him again. And, yeah, they like, hey, Brandon, you won that. But, you know, I think we're both happy in this case where, you know, like Traquan, I don't understand how you go four for 80 and then Drew Brees. Well, I mean, if you watch the game, you saw Drew Brees really <laughs> struggle in the second half, but just went away from him. And I think that was part of the problem. Like they were doing well with Traquan is getting him involved. And especially like it's not just the catches. It's also after the catch because he's got that speed. So I think going forward, I think Traquan deserves to kind of be in that wide receiver three, four fringy range spot uh, as I, uh, you know, I have him for this week because I don't have him as a must start just also because, you know, what if he starts getting bracketed? What if he starts getting the number one coverage? I don't think he's that kind of wide receiver. The opportunity is why I really liked him. Yeah. The reason I didn't like him is because I, you know, I assumed he would be the number two receiver and we've seen him as the number two receiver just completely disappear in the past. And I, you know, maybe he needed to be the number one guy and that's what happened. Uh, really. It's an indictment for Emmanuel Sanders. I agree. He should not be on the outside. If he, if you're going to get anything out of Emmanuel Sanders at this point in his career as a 33 year old, um, it's going to be in the slot. And if he's not getting it, Emmanuel Sanders needs to be cut. I was looking at Sanders last 13 games, two touchdowns and 36 yards per game. And he's had good roles here with new Orleans and with San good Francisco. Teams. Yeah. yeah. Good productive teams too. And he just is, he's basically looks like he's sort of hitting the career cliff at this point. Yeah. Traquan Smith taking that role. Definitely a surprise. And like we're saying, if this is what Drew Brees is and that's what they are doing with Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders, Saints are telling you exactly what they think of their non-Michael Thomas receivers uh, for the remainder of this season. Two more guys I want to talk about here. Both guys who have been popular on waivers this season. The first is Robbie Anderson. And 
The way I want to put this question to you is like this. If you have Robbie Anderson on your team, you almost certainly grabbed him off waivers or late in your draft. In fact, you did. He was definitely either a late-round pick. More likely, he was someone you grabbed off waivers. What that means is that as you look at your wide receiver depth chart top to bottom, you can probably have three, four, maybe even five guys ahead of him on that depth chart. So after what we've seen from Robbie Anderson, and with that being a reality for pretty much anyone who has Robbie Anderson on his or her team, are you doing whatever you can to force him into your lineup? This is a guy with 15 catches for 223 yards and a touchdown, two 100-yard games this season. Are you starting Robbie Anderson over someone who maybe you drafted in the 7th or 8th round as your wide receiver three, Jake? No, and it comes down to like a lot of people have been asking me this, and they're like, why is Robbie Anderson down? Why was she with three territory? Now, DJ Moore still had more targets than he did last week, had more yards than he did last week. He's still the number one. And while, you know, Curtis Samuel hasn't been involved much, I don't even think he was third or fourth on the team in targets last week. But I think he's going to see a little bit more work with no Christian McCaffrey. Let's talk about what Christian McCaffrey is going to do to the offense. I mean, now you can drop a little bit more back into coverage and pay attention to Robbie Anderson on a deep route. So now we come down to Teddy Bridgewater versus no Christian McCaffrey. And it just... I like Robbie Anderson, and it's funny. Like this is another one similar to like the Clyde Edwards-Helaire situation, where like I was on Robbie Anderson, but now I'm a little bit more cautious because I think no Christian McCaffrey and still more being the number one, I think is more important than how good Anderson's looked so far. Despite I'm the guy saying they they brought him in, the new regime brought him in as a free agent. I'm now the cautious guy. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. No McCaffrey, and you actually have a really tough matchup this week That's, against the Chargers. Yes. Have a very good talent across the board in the in their cornerback unit. So, um, so yeah, I think you you got to be a hesitant. I rank him as a wide receiver three this week as well, just outside my top thirty. Um, and that you know, if you're a Robbie Anderson, uh, someone who's rostering Robbie Anderson. You know, you already got the win. Chalk up the win. You're you're gonna be good for the season, but you're gonna have to look at each week individually. And and now while Christian McCaffrey is out, you're gonna have to maybe temper your enthusiasm a little bit. But for the long run, you know, the outlook is good and you're gonna be able to use him um, you know, comfortably most weeks, I would think. But maybe maybe this week if you're if you're pretty stacked at wide receiver, you could probably find a reason that we just talked about to not play him. All right, let's go with the exact same question because he's in the exact same position, but for Corey Davis. I suppose the one big difference for Corey Davis is that A.J. Brown could be looking at another inactive this week with that bone bruise in his knee. Where are you at on Corey Davis in week three, Brandon? Yeah, I have him as a wide receiver three play. I, I think, you know, if I like Ryan Tannehill, um, <laughs> I got to like Corey Davis. And I got to like Johnny Smith. And, yeah, Adam Humphreys is there for maybe six catches again. But, um, you know, Corey Davis is going to have a good chance to score. He's going to have a good chance to uh, make some plays in this one. And uh, the matchup is in Minnesota. So that's been a good matchup so far. I, you know, it, I don't know that you could look, look at what Corey Davis has done the first couple of weeks. I don't know you can look at this week and think that it's going to be worse than that. So I, it's, you know, it's it's probably uh, he's a solid play this week. I'm feeling good about Corey Davis. Yeah, the Vikings defense has been trash. There's no other way to put it. And it's a great matchup with no A.J. Brown. The volume should still be reliable, even with Jono and his breakout. But all that being said, what, why, why do I have this feeling like this is going to be the week the Vikings wake up? <laughs> I just yeah, I, 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 I had a I had a fleeting thought about see, that. As and well. that's the thing is because it feels like every time everybody comes around on the Titans is like that's when it goes wrong. Like this is going this is going to be 25 carries for 130 yards and two touchdowns for Derrick Henry and nothing else from the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it does seem like that that Minnesota team just has too much talent to be as bad as right? they've been through two weeks. Somebody asked me about like that in the waiver column. Gonna wake up. They said, you know, yeah. you had the Vikings as a top ten defense. What happened? I said, what happened is the talent apparently can't figure out the new schemes. Yeah, and yeah, probably maybe they're a team. Maybe they're one of these teams that. Uh, really was uh, was hurt by not having any pre any real uh, off season, any real training camp whatsoever, and maybe they yeah. need a couple of games under their belt to start figuring things out. They you said new schemes, got plenty of new players in there too. So I do still think that the water is eventually going to find a level in Minnesota. I don't know if it's going to be as good as we thought it was going to be before the season, but I just can't believe that with all that talent that team has, that they are going to be truly one of the league's bottom feeders, but that's another discussion can for I another day. Can I throw one day. thing at you, Let's, Mike? Yes, you can, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so because we didn't cover them in the wide receivers, uh, I already told people Allen moved up my rankings and Mike Williams slightly down because Herbert is starting this week because I don't know if you saw the breaking news while we're doing this. Uh, Taylor had I did, his, I did. I, yeah, Taylor had his lung accidentally punctured by the doctor giving him the shot. Like, what the freaking hell? Like, what kind of doctor <laughs> is your team doctor? But anyway, uh, Taylor sounds like he's definitively out for week three. Mm-hmm. So going back to Herbert, I feel a lot better about Allen. Uh, and Mike Williams yeah. isn't a huge downgrade, but I definitely feel a lot better about Allen now. I mean, is there anything more Chargers than that? No. That you've got a team doctor trying to get their quarterback <laughs> Someone, out there, and he accidentally I, punctures I, his lung? How is that even cre- possible? Credit to, to be... Hold on, Beaner Saurus. Be- yeah, Beaner Saurus is the guy's handle. So, uh, yeah, Doctor Nick, he tweeted me that gif. Is like, is that their- <laughs> you win? That is a hundred percent what I thought. Yeah, Nick R- Nick Riviera moved from Springfield over to uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> a huge upgrade uh, in his job. Huge promotion. Being the Chargers team doctor, who knows how long that's going to last. However, um, let's uh, let's wrap things up at wide receiver. A regular starter that you would consider sitting this week. Who you got, Jake? Ooh, who I consider sitting? I wasn't even thinking this when I was thinking sleeper first. I screwed you up. So well, let's let see. Me, let me jump in. Uh, you I'll know what? You I, I got no. I got one for you. I'll say both of them. Uh, you're not sitting Diggs, but I'm a little hesitant about Brown. I keep bringing this up. The Rams defense is playing well this year, and I think part of it has to do with the fact that you're now asking somebody who has gone from being a top end corner you were concerned about to now being pretty dang good. But now he's asked to be the number two corner. And you know, you look at what Jalen Ramsey's doing and zero receptions last week. Uh, so John Brown concerns me a little bit this week. I'll throw out AJ green who he's getting volume. We like that, but he's not getting uh, efficiency with that volume in any way, shape, or form. And he probably draws Darius Slay in shadow coverage this week. Uh, I've seen in the first two weeks, A.J. Green just not catch balls that he would have absolutely locked. It's a little bit Burrow's fault, but I think it's a little bit A.J. Green not playing the last two years and and, and being older and and maybe not having the legs. He should have been hanging out with Jordan Reed, whatever he was doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. And maybe the, uh, that maybe that improves going forward, but I think right now this is uh, this is a chemistry work in progress, and it's an AJ Green getting his getting his sea legs work in progress here. Yeah, twenty two targets for AJ Green through two games, although they represent twenty two point six percent target share. Joe Burrow throwing the ball sixty one times in that loss to the Browns is definitely going to inflate everyone's raw target numbers across the board in Cincinnati. Uh, here we go, Jake. Here's what you're waiting for. An off-the-radar receiver that you will start in week three. Traquan Smith. Nah, I'm kidding. Uh, we already did that. <laughs> <That's good>. That <laughs> works. No, I'm go- Henry Ruggs. Look, everybody's annoyed with Ooh. Henry Ruggs. I'm still on Henry Ruggs. So the thing that I tweeted out yesterday, this came from FTN Fantasy. It was a really cool tool. So uh, you, I keep bringing up air yards, but one of their tools is that you can find – 
who has the most air yards for their team so far, which for everybody out there that don't know about air yards, air yards includes receptions you don't have. It's just how many attempts are coming to you and how many yards. Ruggs leads the league, and it's not even close. He has 67.5% of his team's air yards. That's including Waller. That's including everybody. The next closest is Jared Cook, of all people, at 58.3, but then Edelman at 56. You're coming around. (laughs) Edelman at 56, Thielen at 53, Metcalf at 51, to give you an idea of it. So, Ruggs, there's so many yards that are on the field right now, and Derek Carr somehow overthrew him in that game. All it takes is one catch for rugs to catch on. Like this is a lottery ticket, you said. So that's what I'm going for. But the opportunity's there. Yeah, I'll go with another rookie. I'll go with Lavishka Chenault. I like his matchup against Miami. Uh, they've given up lots of production to the wide receiver so far, but Chenault's uh, role seems to be growing, and we and I like that. There's the potential for four or five carries uh, as well. Uh, gives him a little bit higher floor. So. I think he's just going to continue to arrow up, uh, and that role is going to continue to grow. Right now, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew spreading the ball around a lot, but I think that uh, that narrows a little bit, and we'll, we'll see Chanel and DJ Shark start to get a little bit more of, of the looks going forward. All right, there we go. One more position to get through. It is, of course, the tight end position. This one's going to be a little quicker than the other ones because it's the tight end position. First question I want to ask you guys, has anyone made the, if you have him, you start him, leap at the tight end position mm-hmm. this season? Jake, why don't you take this one first? Somebody's made the conversation? Oh, that's... Uh, yeah. I mean, who are, who are we including before? The five? Is that what we're doing? We're yeah. doing the five? Yeah, Kelsey, right? So Kelsey, obviously, Andrews, obviously Ertz, Kelsey and Kittle, Ertz, okay. Andrews, Waller. So is anybody into Waller. that conversation? Well, so, like, it's, it's all... Higby maybe was in that conversation too. No, he wasn't. I think he's still Already? fringy outside of it because it's going to be touchdown based in that offense, but it looks really good for him. I think it's just the next group. I don't think anybody's definitively there yet. I think that Higby, uh, even Jared Cook until Michael Thomas is back, uh, Jono until AJ Brown is back, Fant because of the injuries there. You know what? Fant might be the one. I think Gasicki is not quite there because Preston Williams and Parker both haven't been healthy 100% yet, and definitely not in the same game. Uh, so I wouldn't put Gasicki. I think Fant just because of all the injuries. I think I think he's kind of there, even though I have him down at 11 this week, just more so because of the matchup. I think Goddard's the closest for me. Uh, he did nothing you know, last third- week. He didn't do anything, but that's you know that's just eight targets, right? Eight targets. Yeah, eight targets. I, I I'll I'll live with that. I think that's kind of he's he's third in targets at the at the tight end position. He was a top ten tight end last year. The twelve personnel is not going away, I, and and the guys to me a top five. He's one of the five most talented. He's got a big workload up. You know, I, like to me that's just. I, I'm you not going to rank him probably lower than than eight to ten in any given week. You want to do um, a fan so, versus Goddard for the rest of the season, even including this week? <laughs> well, you get a little bit of advantage with Sutton being out now. No, but um, you're saying he's a must start. I, I, my biggest concern about Goddard, as you know from reading what I say, like I think Rager and Deshaun Jackson are continue to get more involved. I, you know I, what? I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that wager just because I like my quarterback a lot better than what you got <laughs> to work with in Denver. Yeah, there we go. There we go. I love it. I love it, you guys. That's what I was uh, saying. I'm at a disadvantage. I got Driscoll for at least a few weeks. I'm like, <laughs> how do you know? Like this fan, You're still at a disadvantage when Drew Locke's back as well. But uh, <laughs> Heller, I, I'm, ass- I'm assuming you're gonna you're gonna do the accounting on all these bets. I am. I just okay. I just wrote that one down. All right, right great. here. 
they have 58 ish, to... which is where what we are in the show. Arrow, and they Goddard both, versus Fans. We'll say going forward, uh, we'll say they both have to play at least seven more games and then points per game. So, like, if one plays 10 and one plays 13, we'll go points per yeah. game. All right. I like, I like it. it. Beautiful. Like it. Half PPR? Yeah. Yep. Of course. All right. Excellent. Which Excellent. is the, All right, the new go. standard. The new standard. The new standard. Exactly. Half PPR. Just like Fab. Um, Thank right, you, Yahoo. Fab is F A B, no double A. Yeah. I can't believe Overdue I've actually change. adopted that, Jake. I do it now. <laughs> yes. Uh, but but it's not uniform across the athletic, unfortunately. No, we're going to get there, though. Uh, we're going to have to. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of the year, that's our goal. If Jake can't ban kickers, at least he can get Fab. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, uh, let's wrap things up here. It's tight end, right? We can just jump right to this. Is there such a thing as a regular starter you would consider sitting at this position? Right, You're not sitting Kelsey. You're not sitting Kittle. Is there actually a thing here? That even plays in, or is this a you have either one of the guys we just talked about, or you are playing matchups every single week? Yeah, I think you're playing matchups with a lot of the guys after, like even that next group. Like I think you're playing the Henrys and Cooks and stuff like yeah. that. I think that next group, they I wouldn't even call them regulars at this point. Like Hawkinson, right. I wouldn't call a regular because he's still only getting 13, 14% of the targets without Galladay. That's legitimately concerning. I don't know what's up with Stafford not wanting to go to him more. Uh, Hurst, I like. You guys know I love Hurst, but he feels like he could be left out at any given week with those three wide receivers. So I think all of them are kind of in that matchup conversation. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say any of them are now like a, you start them every right. week and then this is a bad matchup, so you sit them. Yeah, you know, so I instead think of that, instead of what, that, Brandon, what happens, let's just like, jump right into who you would start. Um. Okay. Uh, Gasicki. <laughs> Big week last week at Jacksonville. I like. I like that one a lot. I was just gonna say about the previous question is like you either drafted one of the top six, seven guys, or you did a lot. A lot, a lot of what oh, I did was like, oh, I, I did. I took Gasicki and Janu, or I took Gasicki and mm-hmm. Noah Fant, or T.J. Hawkinson and Janu. Like you have two of those kind of breakout guys, and so that's that's the question is like those guys are all just gonna be kind of similar, and you're gonna have to just let the matchups sort of win out with them. But I, I did that an awful lot. Is doubling up on those breakout potential guys. So, in looking at that group of guys, who do we feel good about in week three? Was, well, that's why I said Gasicki. That yeah. was that was where I was at. Was um, mm-hmm. you know I do have Gasicki and like Janu on team or Gasicki and Fant. I would go with Gasicki this week. I'll go with I'll I'll give you a couple deeper options. Uh, one, Allie Cox, if no Doyle. So that one's kind of sure. contingent on a situation there. We keep mentioning Aikens and the fact that our boy Aaron Reese talked him up in the preseason. I still think he's interesting, even against the Steelers, but not as high as it might be. It's not as high as this guy. Drew Sample. Like, first of all, the Eagles, like, I don't know why nobody's talking about the fact that the Eagles have been a very good defense to target for, you know, this situation. And Drew Sample, the one thing, let's go back to Burrow. He's struggling to hit A.J. Green. What do we know about rookie quarterbacks? What do we used to say is the crutch argument for the longest time? They like they rely on their tight ends because they need the guy over the middle of the field. They need the slot guy with Tyler Boyd. Well, Drew Sample got a bevy of targets as soon as Uzma yes, went out did. of that game. Like I, I'm not saying Sample's a must start, but how am I 19 above consensus with him at tight end 16? That seems crazy. A ton of <laughs> targets for Drew Sample. And let's remember, Uzama, before he got hurt, also had a touchdown in that game too. So Joe Burrow has not been shy about throwing the ball to his tight end, whoever A little bit of a small, small sample size. Oh, <laughs> perfect. If that's not the best way to sign off this show, I don't know what is. So I'm just going to sign us right off here. Thank you for listening to this episode 
of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're out there on iTunes, Spotify, anything like that, please do give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. And get yourself signed up with The Athletic. Just $1 a month if you go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod. For Jake and Brandon, I am Michael Beller. The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast will be back with you tomorrow with Nando DeFino, Jake once again, and Eric Moody. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day. 